This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to sports on a Sunday morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Oh, the Bayou Billiken says I'm involved too. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. BK, did you just say freezing fog? I haven't heard that one in a while. Freezing wow. fog, that's that? right. Yeah. Freezing Fog. That sounds like a great name for a band, doesn't it? <laughs> it or, does. I agree. I love that. For, yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, this is great weather to just sort of uh, warm up and have a cup of coffee, pull a blanket over you, and listen to sports on a Sunday morning. The St. Louis tradition, a lot to get to. Do you catch? Do you stay up late and watch the World Juniors? I imagine that you do. No, right? you for know some what? Reason. I hate to disappoint you, but we did watch the Canada game last evening. I slept through the Finland-Swedish game, which I guess was just terrific. Uh. Uh, and then I woke up this morning and watched the beginning of the U.S. game. I plan on watching that later on today. Big hockey fan right here in Brian Kelly. I am also, and I'm just, Darren Pang's going to join us in an hour, but I do want to say this to you. I'm just happy for you. I'm happy for us. I'm happy for all hockey fans. I really missed it. And we've got a lot of great things going on with college football, college basketball, the NFL playoffs, and, you know, baseball finally will start cranking here in the offseason. But hockey is missed. And there's something about the holidays that I thought really took hockey into another level every year. When you had the holiday crowd in town, the blues crowds just seemed a little more amped. You had a lot of people in town for the holidays. It was their only chance to get to a blues game. I missed that a lot. That was one thing that was really lacking during the holidays for me. How about for you? Yeah, definitely. I'm missing it a whole lot. And I actually got out my USA jersey to wear to watch the games just to kind of get in the mood a little bit more, you know, and step it up a little. And I am really excited about this blues team. I know we've lost Alex Petrangelo and and Steeners out and and Terrace. Cinco's going to be out for a little while. But, uh, you know, Doug Armstrong doesn't let any grass grow, man. He gets right on it and starts filling those holes. And Mike Hoffman's going to be a great addition. And so I am pumped for uh, what camp opens tomorrow. They'll come in today and get checked out medically. And then let's let's drop the puck on the 11th, or the 13th, rather, on the 13th. Yeah, it's a big day. 13th in Colorado. Yeah, it's a big day today. Today's a big day with the boys getting back together, and they'll uh, travel west a lot, but I, you know, I'll take it. I mean, like I said uh, on the air, I don't know, a week or so ago, they could wear brown uniforms for all I care, or, or whatever, wear rainbow-colored uh, uh, helmets, brown uniforms, and, and mismatch. I don't care what it is, um, as long as they win, and uh, that's that's really important. And so, you know, I, I think for, for all hockey fans, just to get them back, you know, just to get everything back together. So it's exciting. 
to have hockey back. I'm really excited about it. We'll talk to Darren Pang about it next hour here on KMOX. Uh, also, college football, I know the first thing you mentioned to me this morning, everybody wanted to know how I felt about Indiana losing a ball game. I was very disappointed, very, very disappointed. And, and the team has uh, it deserves what they're going to get here is some heat because people – heard them uh, they wanted themselves known for about a month that they should be involved in the college football playoff discussion and then they lay an egg against lane kiffin and old miss so indiana lost old miss yesterday 26 20 that said it was a very exciting uh, season and i think when you look back on it you'll see that if when you have a team that plays well that's a good thing uh, but they're going to have to wear this for a little while that was a that was a tough one for sure losing old miss yesterday but there was a lot of good college football kevin wheeler's going to join us on that college basketball let me set up the show for you there's so much going on so kevin wheeler's going to join us here in just a few minutes uh, we're going to talk about the Cardinals, but a lot of college football and some other sports with him. At 10.45, Chris May will be with us. He's the athletic director at St. Louis University. The, the Billikens are shut down right now because of COVID-19. They've had to pause the men's and women's programs uh, because of COVID positives. We'll talk to him about that at 10.45. At 11.05, the man yesterday for Missouri Jeremiah Tillman, 25 points and 11 rebounds for Mizzou at Arkansas. They beat the Razorbacks 81-68. Terrific win for the University of Missouri. And we will have him with us, Jeremiah Tillman himself, at 11.05. At 11.15, Darren Pang joins us to talk some hockey, as we just did with BK. At 11.30, here we go with the Fighting Illini again. They look good again. They were tough yesterday against Purdue. Beat him 66-58, and number 15, Illinois, looked nice with Kofi Coburn, 14-10. and 10. Brian Barnhart, the voice of the Illini, with us at 11.30 here on KMOX. And then we'll get into some NFL as well, as this is an NFL Sunday. We do have the Chiefs on KMOX at 325, 2 o'clock pregame against the Chargers, but the Chiefs have already wrapped up the number one seed in the AFC. The big question is, who's going to be number one in the NFC? Packers and Bears today will preview that game. Big game, Bears can get into the playoffs if they can get a W, and the Browns are going to try to get into the playoffs against the Steelers. They play a little bit later. Lots of NFL to sort out as well. So it's a huge day in sports once again. That's why we do sports on a Sunday morning every day from 10 to 12. When we come back, we'll be joined by Kevin Wheeler, the host of Sports Open Line. Our thanks to Brian Kelly for anchoring our news all morning long. I'm Tom Ackerman. I'll take it from here. James O'Sullivan is our producer. We'll be back with Wheels right after this. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. And welcome back. Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. Pleased to welcome in live here at 1015, the host of Sports Open Line, Kevin Wheeler, to chat a little sports with us. How you doing, Wheels, on this Sunday morning? I'm good, Tom. I'm good. I'm ready to do whatever it is we need to do. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the last few days watching college football. Had a little baseball action for me yesterday, Tom. I spent the day coaching, so I'm ready, man. I'm good. That's good. Let's uh, let's start with a little baseball. Uh, we're going to get into the college football scene and the NFL a little bit and some other things going on, but I appreciate you joining us. Uh, what do you expect here? Do you think that this week things start to pick up a little bit in Major League Baseball? We haven't had much activities, particularly on the Cardinals' side, but I think just overall haven't seen much movement in Major League Baseball. 
Now, we had a little run there right after Christmas last week, right? I mean, the Padres got the world, the baseball world, uh, busied up a little bit by being as active as they were and getting you, Darvish, and Blake Snell. Um, I, I would think that we're going to start to see some things trickle in, but, you know, I, I still think maybe later on in the month is going to be the busier time, and we still don't know, you know, when teams are going to be reporting for spring training. I mean, that's something that's got to get sorted out here real soon. I mean, think about it. We're technically, what, six weeks away from the, the normal spring training report date, and we have no idea what's going on. I mean, the players and the owners got to get together and figure this out. And I know they don't have all the information, which is part of the reason why I think we might still have some more delays on, you know, the the real consistent action. I do think there are going to be some things happening. Uh, it sounds like, Tom, uh, the, the one Japanese starting pitcher, Sugahara, is going to be getting something done soon. He's got a sign by the 7th, so we've got four days for that to happen. And there are a bunch of teams that are interested in him, and maybe that shakes some other things loose, too. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, the Cardinals, when I look at them, and, uh, you know, we typically will say that this team moves really by their own philosophy. I mean, they try to figure out a way to to do things where they keep themselves successful. But um, I I don't believe for a second that this team is satisfied with what they have. I, I, I believe that this team understands that it needs to upgrade offensively. I would never question their desire to win, and I think that they are trying to be smart about it. If I'm a Cubs fan, I'm feeling a little hopeless right now, and if I'm a Cardinals fan looking at the Cubs situation, not necessarily that I feel better about the direction my team is going, but I feel better that I'm not them. If you're the Cardinals, if you're a Cardinals fan, you do not ever want to be into a situation i would much rather be a team that is in contention every year than to have to deal with a rebuilding scenario well we, we haven't had to do it right <laughs> i mean when's the last time the cardinals tore down a team and brought it down to the studs and started over or they started moving out you know i mean they, they've parted with significant players i mean we watched albert pujols walk out the door uh and then the very next two years they're right back and making deep playoff runs and you know, it's it's been a long run. I mean, at the very least, Tom, it's been a 20-year run of of a team that's been just consistently good. They're not every year good. You know, they've had a couple of clunky clunker seasons in there, uh, but mostly in the race. And that's the philosophy is to stay in it, give yourself a chance. And people can disagree, right? I mean, look, the, the big disagreement we hear from Cardinal fans is they'd like to see the team kind of, quote-unquote, load up and go for it once in a while. That's just not how they want to do it. They don't want to load up one year and then maybe not have something to do the ne- a couple of years later. They want every year to be at least a chance. And again, it's 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 a difference in in viewpoint from how the fa- some fans. I don't want to make every fan the same, but some fans see it compared to how the front office sees it. But I think this year is going to present an opportunity. Um, and I hope that Tom, that when we when we end up getting to spring training, whenever that is that there are a couple of additions, and they don't even need to be blockbuster additions. Uh, you add a couple of pieces that can maybe be platoon split guys, uh, maybe maybe certain kind of matchup type guys, and you could have an offense that's better enough to take advantage of what is going to be, uh, I don't see any question, the strongest unit in the division, which is going to be the Cardinals bullpen. I don't see anybody else who's as strong in any other particular area as the Cardinals are going to be in the back end of the pen. Or actually, forget the back end, the entirety of the pen. 
Yeah, it's one of the points that you made in your column about the five New Year's wishes for the Cardinals is to utilize that bullpen. And do you think that they will be able to, let's say, with a lot of question about the number of innings they'd have to give their starters, mm-hmm. uh, that they'd be able to rely on that bullpen to carry the bulk of it? Well, I mean, I, I've heard you know, Mike Schilt said to, to us that, you know, that people may be making out, uh, making that the innings limit thing out to be a little bit bigger thing than it really is. And I was actually glad to hear him say that um, because it's not necessarily that you're not going to be careful. It's just that, you know, guys did throw. And I think Mike made a really good point on the countdown to opening day show a couple of weeks ago. It's like, you know, that entire time that the team was off from, you know, when spring training was shut down in March until they came back in July, those guys were all throwing that entire time. Now, they weren't competitive innings. They weren't, you know, on television, pitching in front of fans and going against other major league hitters. But your arm was being used. So it's not like they're going to be, you know, it's not like a guy that was hurt who was completely shut down during that time and then having to come back. And by the way, we also have examples of guys like, say, Adam Wainwright missing an entire season with Tommy John surgery in 2011 and throwing 198 innings the first year back. So, yeah, I think with veterans, they're going to be a little less careful, right? Um, With the kids, though, with the younger guys, with Flaherty, with people like that, they probably would err on the side of caution. And that's where you can lean on a bullpen that has a little bit of everything. And that's what I was kind of getting into, uh, Tom, when I was talking about leaning into that. I mean, you're going to have guys that can go multiple innings, right? I mean, depending on who's in the rotation and who's in the pen, you'll have guys like Carlos Martinez and Daniel Ponce de Leon and Austin Gomber and John Gant. Alex Reyes can go multiple innings. Um, you know, I, I think that they've got a number of guys. Genesis Cabrera can do that, too, as a, as a guy that's worked as a starter, and I'm sure will prep as a starter coming into spring. They've got all of that. You've got power arms. You've got, a mate, you've got some of the better breaking balls in the National League uh, with, a guy like, with guys like Gallegos and Reyes. I mean, you've just got a little bit of everything, a lot of heat, right? If you want guys that can, that can throw 100 miles an hour, you've got three or four of those. So I, just, I think everything is lining up for that to be kind of the strength of the team. I talked to John Mosellock. He is not uh, on the show today, giving him a little time off of the show. We've had him so many times throughout <laughs> the year that I think it's important sometimes to give the guy a little vacation. Besides, you know, until something starts to shake here, uh, we'll get his reaction on it, get his explanation, whatever right. it is he makes. One thing we've uh, mutually agreed on, Mo and I, is that we don't talk about free agents. And that's really just a blanket thing, Major League Baseball. You don't talk about right. uh, free agents out there. They kind of frown on that anyway. But you and I can. Yep. So let me let me ask you, and you mentioned them in your column, so if you want to throw those out there, go for it. But back to the offense, because that's my number one priority. Well, my number one priority is Yadi and Wayno, of course. Right. But right. priority is to upgrade this offense. What do you? Who do you think would be a great fit, honestly, uh, if you were to go out there and acquire someone? A trade, there, there are a lot of things that could possibly happen, but it doesn't look like the Cardinals – want to make a deal unless it's uh, of an exchange of salaries that helps them. What about just going out and signing somebody who makes sense? Well, there, I mean, look, it it makes sense from a fan's perspective to talk about guys like George Springer and, and, you know, the top, the top free agent bats, but we know that's very unlikely. I mean, given what they've said about the budget and also given, you know, where they'll be sitting next year with another 60, $65 million coming off the books, you know, a little and and by the way, an amazing free agent class as of right now. We don't know how many of those guys will sign 
extensions before they ever get to free agency. But for now, it's looking like an amazing free agent class. I think we're looking at at mid-tier to kind of, I don't want to say lower tier, but less lower money ads. And But but there's a lot of guys out there that fit what you're looking for. If you're looking for a left-handed infield, left-handed hitting infielder who brings a little bit of pop, who doesn't strike out a lot, who, who can give you a, a, a guy that can match up with some of the guys you already have, I mean, and our, our buddy Bernie Miklas has written about him a couple of times here lately, too. Tommy Lestella is a really interesting player, and he's probably not going to be really expensive. This is kind of the point. Um, but if you're looking for that kind of ad who gives you high-end contact skill, one of the one of the best in baseball at putting the ball in play, and he'll hit the ball over the fence every once in a while. Um, I, I like Eddie Rosario. I don't know that they're going to add an outfielder, Tom, but if they are, that's the kind of guy that, that makes a lot of sense because you talk about consistency, you talk about power. I mean, this is a guy that hits 25 home runs a year every year, and he's done it for like five straight years in the big league. So you're getting the same thing every year when you get a guy like that. But there's another couple of guys that I think are a little less discussed, um, like Jonathan Scope as an example, who is, again, another guy that's a legitimate 20 to 25 home runs a year. Not a, not a great on-base guy, doesn't get on-base a whole lot. But he's also an, a high-end defensive player. I mean, he fits in with what the Cardinals want, right? They want strong defense. Well, if you're looking to replace Colton Wong at second base and maybe free up Tommy Edmond to move around to play some at second and some at third, that's a guy that probably is going to end up being pretty cheap who hit, what, 20-something, 20, 20, I think, I'm sorry, 12? I think it was like eight or nine home runs this past season in a third of a year. This is what he does. He goes out and hits 20, 25 homers and plays good defense. There's a guy, Tom, that I'm really interested in that is a bit of a mystery because he's coming off uh, elbow surgery, so we don't know exactly when he's going to be ready, but the reports are he's going to be ready around sometime in March. I really like Danny Santana. Played for the Rangers the last couple years. He stunk in 2020, but in 2019 Mm -hmm. just had a brilliant year. He's a switch hitter that doesn't have a platoon split, and he literally plays every position on the field. Could you use a guy like that? That, that plays every position on the field and also has a high-end exit velocity on both sides of the plate. I mean, I think I could – and by the way, can run a little bit too. I'd, I'd say that's a pretty good player that you wouldn't have to commit a position to, but he plays all three outfield positions, plays first, second, third. Yeah, you probably don't want him at short, but he can play there. I think that's the kind of guy that really helps this team. Yeah, I'm sensing a trend here in Major League Baseball. The days of trotting out the same lineup each and every day are over. If you want to succeed in this game, you got to play the matchups and you got to have speed, athleticism, and hard contact available every day, no matter who's pitching. And I, I like that philosophy. Hey, even the Dodgers do it. You made that point yeah, yeah. on our Cards Conference. The Dodgers do it. They're the best team in baseball. Far and away, they were the best team in baseball in the regular season. They did it by implementing matchups and doing it over and over again. So uh, I would love it. I'd love to see that kind of depth. Uh, the Cardinals have tried, I think, to to do that a little bit, but it hasn't worked out. They don't have enough hitters in the outfield, and you got to find somebody, either a third baseman, an outfielder, someone has got to be able to come in there and create some havoc, and, yeah. and that has not been the case. And if the Cardinals can do that, they're going to be very, very successful, Kevin. Yeah, and that's why I'm attracted to a guy like like Danny Santana. I know there have been some other conversations about um, about your, your jerks and Profar, who has had a couple of decent years lately? He's he's not uh, you know he's not as consistent as a guy you know some of the other guys, but he's a con- he makes a ton of contact, doesn't strike out, and again can probably play six or seven positions, and that may be the most useful kind of player for this team to 
kind of move someone around, or maybe multiple someones, because Tommy Edmond can do that too, and use that as your way of playing the matchups. And, you know, I'm a person that prefers the the single lineup, Tom. I like the, you know, like the old MV, MV3 days where you can just roll out sure, the same eight every day, and I prefer it, but you don't have it right now. You're not likely to have it this year, and the best teams in baseball. I mean, look at the two teams that played for the World Series. Both play it the other way. They play matchups. It was Tampa Bay on the on the low payroll side, and the Dodgers are doing it with a huge payroll. So, no no harm in, in working on it when you when you kind of have that need. I'm going to ask you two questions. One, can you hang on through the break so we can talk some football? But two, can you answer this question for me? Uh, finally, on baseball, do you feel like? And I'm not asking you to predict the future, just your gut. Do you think that we will have some clarity this week on Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright? Uh, yes, I can hang around. I'm not doing anything until football starts at noon. So, yes, we're all good. <laughs> and the, the, the second part, um, I don't think this week. I mean, I, you know, we haven't heard anything. I mean, we haven't seen a report that says uh, this team has has made an offer to Yachty or Molina or definite. We've heard teams that have interest that have checked in, but it hasn't progressed past that. And until we start to see a little bit more of that, I don't know that that means we're very close. And I wondered, Tom, in the catching market, if, if things need to happen with JT Real Muto before they're going to move with Yachty, because the teams that lose out on Real Muto might turn their attention to him. And that's our big, that's my biggest worry with him is, you know, somebody like say Philly loses Real Muto and they're like, well, we still want to be good. Let's go make a run. Uh, the question is, you know, does whatever situation that ends up being out there, does that appeal to Molina in terms of playing time, dollars, uh, location, quality of the team, and all of that? Let's take a quick break. That's Kevin Wheeler. I'm Tom Ackerman. We'll talk a little football next. And then Chris May, the athletic director at SLU, is with us at 1045. At 1105, it's the big man from Mizzou. He was terrific yesterday. Jeremiah Tillman's going to join us live at 1105. 1115, hockey with Darren Pang. 1130, the voice of the Illini, Brian Barnhart. Don't go anywhere. It's sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. Back after this. KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. How about Courtney Ramey yesterday, the Webster Groves High School star, won a couple state championships there, playing for Texas 84-59. Texas over Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. That ties for the worst home loss in Jayhawks history. And Courtney, one of the great players in the country. It was exciting to be able to see a St. Louis product to do that. But that wasn't the biggest news in Texas, Kevin Wheeler. I'm Tom Ackerman. Biggest news in Texas was that Tom Herman was fired as the yeah. head coach of the Longhorns yesterday. And, uh, you know, that overtook everything, overtook the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl. That was the biggest news. Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator for Alabama, takes over as the head coach. It's interesting, isn't it, uh, what Texas – represents i mean when's the last time that they were in elite it's been a long time and i'm not sure it's hard to succeed there it really is the expectations there are unrealistic i think well i mean the problem is that you know it's like a few other places i mean texas a&m tends to be this way uh auburn has already shown us that they're this way with with moving on from gus malzahn um you know that basically if you're not alabama or clemson it's not good enough <laughs> i mean that, that seems to be that seems to be the standard and Look, I, I'm I'm from an alma, my alma mater is is not too far off of that in terms of how fans view it, right? I mean, 
we Miami fans expect a team that's going to be a contender. Unfortunately, it's been 17, 18 years since they've been a contender. And we've rolled through, what, three, four coaches in that in that period of time. It's like every three or four years there's a coaching search. The difference between Miami and Texas, for example, is that Texas has all the money in the world. They're, they're arguably the richest program in the country. So if they're not getting bang for their buck, they're moving on because they got more bucks to spend. And, you know, I, I don't I don't know if there's an easy way to make this happen. Right. I mean, Tom Herman came in with an amazing reputation. You know, he came in with the with the Ohio State background as somebody that was the next one of the next big things. And, you know, maybe the problem there is that he you know, he's a guy that had never been the head coach, uh, especially of a program of that magnitude. And, you know, it's it's a hard thing to do that the first time. But, um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is also a failed head coach. He's a hell of a coach, but his best years have come at USC under Pete Carroll and at Alabama under Nick Saban. I don't know that that's a coincidence, but he's a brilliant offensive mind. He is that that's for sure. And Alabama and Ohio State are going to go head to head in the national championship with Sarkeesian learning from the best in Nick Saban. And on the other side, I think that Ohio State team was undervalued. I mean, that is I think they got it right here. I think these are the two best teams in the country. I mean, Clemson uh, beat uh, Notre Dame, but they lost to him earlier without Trevor Lawrence, Ohio State looked absolutely fabulous in that playoff game, that semifinal game. And I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I think that Ohio State's defense is very good. I think as long as Justin Fields is healthy, he has the weapons on offense. Um, Alabama, the only way that you can stop them, the only way that you can stop them is you've got to get pressure on the quarterback. If you don't do that, he is just going to pick you apart, and they're going to pick you apart because they have all the weapons. They have the best player in the country in Devontae Smith. They have the best running back in the country in Najee Harris, and they have one of the best handful of quarterbacks. I think he could end up being a late first-round pick in Mac Jones, Kevin. Yeah, the problem, with, yeah, you're right about disrupting Mac Jones. The problem is it's really hard to do because somebody's open fast. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way that it is. I mean, Devontae Smith is open usually anytime you want him. Uh, they throw the ball to either of their tight ends, and the young tight end, Billingsley, looks like he's a future, a future NFL player, looks like he's a future star. You know, they get it, you know, you got a guy that's a quote unquote complimentary receiver in John Mechie, who's probably going to be the next high draft pick in a couple of years out of Alabama. Uh, and let's not forget that offensive line is loaded with future NFL players, even though they lost their All-American center, uh, Dickerson. Uh, they they are, are going to be really hard to beat. And look, there's there's historically speaking, I mean, just looking at the, the the Bama run, they've all. This is not a great defense for Alabama, right? This is not one of their dominant defenses that Nick Saban's had in this last what 10, 15 year run that they've had. Um, but it's still still what holds up is you've got to be able to outscore them. You've got to be, in my opinion, you've got to be able to put up upper 30s, maybe 40 points if you expect to beat Alabama. It's not that you can't beat them any other way, but they just came off their lowest scoring game of the year against Notre Dame. That's the lowest scoring game they had, 31 points. You want to know what's even funnier? The the the, the next lowest scoring game, Tom, was the opener against Mizzou. <laughs> and that was 38 points. <laughs> they scored yep. 40 or more in every other game. So if you're going to beat them, You've got to plan on scoring 40-plus points. And, you know, that's not an easy thing to do because they do have a talented defense. But it's also, you know, just, again, that's a lot of points to score. And Notre Dame didn't have the kind of offense that was built to do that. 
um, that ball control is not going to beat Alabama. But what Ohio State does gives them a chance. And if you look at Alabama over the years, the the two things that have that have that have popped up that can give them trouble are quarterbacks that can beat you with the big pass, like the big play, because you're just not going to grind down the field against Alabama. They're too good. You got to beat them with big plays and mobile quarterbacks. And you know, they got the right guy in Justin Fields for that, who's who's certainly looking like he's going to be, if not the second pick in the draft, the top five pick for sure. That spread is eight, by the way, in Vegas. Alabama by eight. It opened at seven, huh. grew to seven and a half by the end of yesterday, and it's now an eight-point spread. If I were uh, putting a little something on that, I'd take Ohio State plus the eight. I'll be honest with you. I think this is going to be a tight game. I really do. I think Ohio State is motivated, and they're going to be under the same uh, fuel that they had going into the Clemson game, Kevin. I think that people will pretty much count them out even after their terrific performance against Clemson. Yeah, I think that may be. But, uh, you know, one thing that worries me is Ohio State's secondary is not particularly good. Um, you know, they're, they're one of their starting corners, I believe it's Wade, struggled badly this year. They had problems with their safety play, too. And, I mean, look, Clemson's good, but Clemson is not as good as Alabama. I mean, they're just not. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, is more talented than Mac Jones. But Clemson's offensive line is not as good as it, as it has been in past years. Clemson's defense isn't as good as it's been in past years. I mean, you're look looking up and down the list of players that they have there. There aren't that many of them that you'd look at and say – those are all surefire NFL players on the defensive side. So, you know, I'm not, this is not to diminish what Ohio State did because Ohio State was, in, was completely impressive against, against Clemson and dominated that game starting in the second quarter. I just think that if you look at everything that Clemson can do, other than the talent of the quarterback, Alabama is in a better position to do it. They're better on the, on the offensive and defensive lines. So, and by the way, if I were you, if I were forced to make a bet today, I would also lay the points. I think Alabama's going to win the game, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it beyond Ohio State to keep it close and may, maybe win the game. But I mean, I, I don't, you know, I want to, I, if I'm really a betting man, though, I'm going to wait, Tom. Give me another three or four days to see where the line moves. <laughs> if the line moves, yeah. starts, starts to go up more, I'm going to jump on that. And if it starts to go the other direction, it's going to make me think that the sharp betters who usually wait a little bit, who don't always jump in right away, I want to see what the sharp betters are doing because those are the people to follow. I'm with you, and you make a great point about the Ohio State secondary. Uh, you've got to, somebody's got to cover Devontae Smith. You can't double him because then they'll find a way yep. to pick you apart in other areas, and Devontae's the best player in the country. He's going to win the Heisman. I'd vote for him for the Heisman. Uh, he has uh, just about everything. And uh, Mike Penix, the Indiana quarterback, threw for 491 yards against Ohio State. Right. So we know how that went, and we know how I feel about the whole situation. I felt like <laughs> Indiana got slighted, and then with my tail between my legs, watched them uh, lose to Ole Miss 26-20. That was a tough one. Now, without their starting quarterback, yes, but Ole Miss was missing all kinds of players. It was it was yeah. very disappointing, and they're going to have to wear that for a long time. Did you think that anyone got slighted? I mean, do, do you think that the top four, did Notre Dame deserve to be four? I think your answer is yes. Did Texas A&M make a point yesterday at all? No. <laughs> I mean, look, could, could Texas <laughs> could A&M have, have been a better team than Notre Dame? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Was it clear and definitive that they had a better track record? No. 
It, it just wasn't. I mean, it, 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 it was an, there's an argument to be had there. I mean, it's not an it's not an invalid argument. It's not something where you can say, well, they don't have any point at all. I mean, the only team that Texas A&M lost to was Alabama. Uh, and they had a good win against Florida. I mean, that, that was a good team that they beat. Uh, but Florida's also a three-loss team, and the only loss that Notre Dame had was to Clemson. And then, you know, those two teams beat each other. I, I don't have a problem at all with the four that they picked. Um, I have a problem with the, with the general system because it is set up to leave out everybody that's not from a Power Five conference. I mean, it just is. I mean, you can't you, – right. first of all, you can't even get all the Power Five in. So if you can't get all of them in – you're already in a flawed system, and you know so that part is clear. This is this needs to expand. It needs to include more people. But the reality is, you know, Cincinnati didn't play enough good opponents, and you know they're not a team. You can't make it, it's a lot of it's about track record. And if you don't have you know, like their biggest win of the regular season, Tom was Tulsa. Well, Tulsa lost a bowl game to a three-win Mississippi State team. So, and that's a motivated Tulsa team, right? You're in a bowl. You're trying to prove something, and you get beat by a three-win team. I mean, that's that's not going to stand up well. So, yeah, I think they got the right four. I would I would be fine with an argument for Texas A&M, but the bigger problem is they got to fix the system. That they do, and uh, we'll see what they end up doing here moving forward. But in the meantime, I, I can't deny my love for college football, and I'll be glued to Alabama, Ohio State. Yep. And hoping just to be entertained. It'll be on January 11th. Looking forward to the chatter leading up to that. We'll continue this conversation tomorrow at 11, Kevin. We do it every Monday on Facebook. It's our cards conference, but we veer into other sports as well. We'll definitely answer any questions you might have about baseball and other sports. It's on Facebook Live every Monday at 11 o'clock. It's a great way to start the week. Kevin Wheeler will join me for it, and I appreciate you taking a little time on your Sunday morning to be on sports on a Sunday morning. Ah, glad to do it. Have some fun. Tell Chris May I said hello. Absolutely. The Slew Athletic Director is with us next. Kevin's on Sports Open Line every night at 6.15, and he hosts Countdown to Opening Day with Mike Claiborne as well in the middle of the week, and we always appreciate that. It's just uh, that time of year where we start thinking about what the Cardinals will look like, and I am still hoping that they're going to start making some moves here and put this team together for 2021 that can rock it to the top of the division and hopefully challenge some of the big boys in the National League. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll talk to Chris May, the athletic director at SLU. They are on pause right now, the men's and women's basketball programs. We'll get an update from him. Don't forget Jeremiah Tillman, the Mizzou forward, is with us at 11.05. And hockey fans, hang on, because 11.15, Darren Pang joins us live to talk about the Blues, who are opening training camp. They're on the ice tomorrow. This is Sports on a Sunday morning, and we're back right after this. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Jeremiah Tillman, Tilly, the big man for Missouri, is with us at 11.05 after a terrific performance yesterday at Arkansas. 25 points, career best for him to go along with 11 rebounds as Mizzou beat Arkansas. Illinois looked good as well. They beat Purdue, and Brian Barnhart, the voice of the Illini, will be with us at 11.30 this morning. Tom Ackerman, Sports on a Sunday Morning, joined now by someone I know wishes he could have had a couple more games under his belt, and that's the athletic director at St. Louis University, Chris May, after the Duquesne and UMass games were postponed due to COVID-19 protocols. Good morning, Chris. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. 
Good morning, Tom. Happy New Year to you. I hope uh, hope all is well with you. Happy New Year. Things are well. You sound great, and uh, it's it's always good to chat with you. Although it's it's tough during the circumstances. I know that the hard part here is that SLU has been so good, so careful, and so successful during this entire basketball run that it's hard, isn't it, when you have to put things on pause, but it's where we are right now. Well, Tom, it for sure is. As I, I pulled up the uh, A-10 basketball standings, in fact, we had a we had an A-10 call this morning already, but uh, as I pull up the standings and I, and I look at uh, how well our team has done, and uh, we made it to December 30th and then had, had a problem, but um, – you know, it's it's a group that is really committed to working hard, to doing everything they can to uh, to get on the court. And right now, we're in a pause, but I'm sure uh, I'm confident they're they're doing the same right now to uh, to get back at it. It's a group that spent a a long off season of really committing themselves to their trades. And you know, Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French and Javante Perkins are seniors, really. Uh, really have helped guide and lead this group and get them in position to have success. So uh, it, though it's a tough moment right now, uh, we'll get back at it in a, in a week or two here. And then uh, I'm, I'm confident that we've got a team that'll be fun to watch as, as they've been so far, you know, or that we're high in the Ken Palm and we're, we're, uh, we, we did some great work in the non-conference schedule. Travis Ford and his team really did an awesome job. And so it's really, uh, an exciting time. We wish we could be out there right now, but we'll be out there soon. Yeah, it's not your fault that other teams don't want to play you, by the way. I wouldn't want to play you either. It's a really good Pelicans well, team that lost one game, right? I mean, they lose to Minnesota. As it turns out, Minnesota's pretty darn good, Chris. Well, Minnesota can really shoot the lights out, especially at home, and so we we ran into a tough one up there, but they're going to win a lot of games the rest of the year, and uh, you know, we beat a, a really good LSU team um, and a good NC State team and, and some others that are going to do really well in their conference. So our, our guys really, uh, and again, I give all the credit to Travis and, and his staff and, and our student-athletes because they really did a great job in the off season of preparing themselves for this season. And uh, the uh, expectations are high, as they should be, because uh, we've got a experience, we've got some great experience, and then we've got some young kids. I mean, Yuri Collins was playing. I mean, I think he leads the country in assist-to-turnover ratio right now. Um, but, you know, he also led the country as a freshman, the top freshman assist getter last year. So you've got Yuri, the local kid. You've got T.J. Hargrove that just keeps getting better and better. you got Fred Thatch, who Fred Thatch in the last uh, four or five days of practice before we got shut down was, be, was starting to show the Fred Thatch of old. He really was playing great. And so you go on down the line, it's a group that's really fired up. They enjoy playing together. And, uh, again, we're excited when we can get back on the court at the A-10. Yeah, I'm with you. LSU has only taken two losses. Their other one was yesterday. I watched them against Florida. They're awfully good, and you were able to handle them. Chris, uh, the women's team is also paused right now. They've gone through this before, but – if tell us as much as you can about what uh, the protocol is, as I understand it, it is a 14 day quarantine. So that would mean that your road games would have to be postponed uh, this coming week as well. Correct. Uh, we, you know, we work within the city of uh, St. Louis guidelines and it is a 14 day um, quarantine within the city. There's, it just depends on which, uh, you know, which area are and what the public health protocols are. But in the city of St. Louis, uh, it's a 14-day 
process. So we're, we're going through that. We continue to test to make sure we don't have any other issues that we might not know about, um, but we continue to test. We'll go through the protocol and then there's a back to play protocol. So uh, we're going, we'll go through all of those um, while keeping this group, uh, both groups uh, focused on the task at hand and then we'll, uh, we'll get back at it. Keep everyone away from each other and, and go through all of that and then and then get back to it. And on the women's side, I know that Lisa Stone's team, boy, they were ready to go. I mean, they had an Atlantic 10 opener on New Year's Day, Chris, and that's a, a group that's been through a lot also. Well, they have, and they're, uh, you know, they're picked third in the league, and they're highly, you know, they, they've got a talented group led by Kaiser Harbison, the, the guard out of Louisville, and you've got Rachel Kent, you've got Lauren Hughes locally here, and Brooke Flowers, and, you know, there's, it's a talented, talented group uh, on our women's side. We just got to get them back on the court. And so, uh, you know, you, you said it best. The key right now, I mean, it, it, you know, to have a problem it isn't an issue uh, with COVID. The key is how do you deal with it, how do you get everybody separated, and how, how do you do a reset? The key is the reset, and do you get a pure, clean reset and then start? And so we're spending uh, a lot of time and energy right now to make sure there is nobody, that they're in a pure quarantine, not around anyone, and uh, going through this process. But, uh, again, we'll, we'll get through it and be back at it. And what, what's great about it, Tom, not great about this specific, but, you know, you turn the calendar, and uh, on January 28th, the campus is going to open again. And it went so well during the fall, and all the accolades have to go to Dr. Pastello and the staff and the faculty who did such a great job on campus this fall. But we're going to be back at it at the end of January. We'll have all of our teams will be competing this spring. And so from our baseball team that's been led by Darren Hendrickson and won so many A-10 championships to Kevin Kalish's men's soccer team, who's in great position, our women's soccer team with Katie Shields, who's back-to-back A-10 champions. You go on down the line, but there's 350 student-athletes who will be competing on the fields, on the courts, in the pools starting in February. So uh, there's a lot of anticipation and a lot of excitement about the uh, Billiken athletes as they come back at the end of January. Yeah, these are just great people. You know, they work so hard. There's so many people involved, so much staff, and and it's uh, important to reset and get this thing going again, and certainly you will do that. I always appreciate the contribution on the show when you can and for being a great partner. We love carrying the Billikens games, and we can't wait for the next one to come, but we will wait for everyone to get healthy and back at it, Chris. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, Tom, we appreciate it. And KMOX uh, being the leader and the mothership in this town, we couldn't be more proud to be back where the Billikens uh, have had such great success. And and, and and a big part of it is your uh, commitment to college basketball. You uh, and what your group does in supporting and promoting college basketball second to none. We, we can't thank you enough for doing so, and we're proud to be here. Well, we love it. We absolutely love it, and thank you for the time very much. Have a great rest of your day. Tom, take care. Thank you. There's Chris May, the athletic director at SLU. We're back after the news. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.